Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Awesome. Why don't you grab your Bible and open it? We're going to be all over the Bible this morning. This uh, This is like the first day of school for me. So I don't know if you're in school vibe or if you're way past even thinking about school vibe or some people are giving me that, like, I wouldn't have come to church if I would have known we had to think that summer might end at some point. But uh, I spent some time in the summer thinking about where God wants to take us in the year ahead. And uh, there's no place in the world I would rather be than in this church with you all. And I believe by faith we got some really, really wonderful things ahead. Uh, But I spent a lot of time in the summer thinking about who I am and who we are and where we are and where God wants to take us. And I have some kind of uh, snapshots in my mind that started uh, just a few weeks ago. We were on vacation and uh, our family's on this journey of trying to take the kids to all 50 states before they turn 18, which was a dream that came without a budget. So we're just, we're hustling at it as best. I don't know if you have any of those. We're hustling at that. Uh, but we were, uh, we had a wonderful vacation and we were in Las Vegas and uh, we were walking in the middle of the day, kind of down, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, I'm sure, you know, Christians, probably none of you ever have been, all that, but like, uh, we were, and I just had this moment where I was looking at all the signs that I could see, and all these like, crazily dressed, and half-dressed, and confusingly dressed people like wandering around, and I had this, it's just like, I don't know if this ever happens to you, it just kind of like, passed through my mind like this, I, I don't make sense in this world anymore. All these people around me seem like super, like they fit in whatever this thing is, but I don't fit. That was one snapshot. And then uh, uh, this past year, uh, I never really said much about it because it didn't seem like proper or whatever, but this past year, my uh, 10-year-old son, who's, so he was in fourth grade, now he's going to be in fifth grade, spent the entire year, uh, this is the first time this has ever happened in our family, with a, a child in his class who was like trying to live and identify as a different gender than the one they were born in. And uh, we, were had, we had a lot of like conversations and a lot of chatting about it and a lot of talking about it. But I had that feeling a lot of times like, whatever this world is, doesn't feel like a world that I make sense in anymore. This was not a world that I was prepared to live in with things like that. Uh, I look around as we're starting to heat up for another election that's coming soon, starting to, and I don't feel like I fit in any of the ways that we're taught you're supposed to look at in the world. Uh, I was reading this week that your race in our country, your race or your economic class, are much more predictive of your political affiliation than your faith. Let that sink on you for a second. So people who have Jesus in common are less likely to vote alike than people who have the same color of skin or the same background or grew up in the same neighborhood. It just feels like, and then I was, uh, this is going somewhere, I promise, this is like just kind of my summer journey. I was reading, uh, I read this really great book this summer, um, 
about uh, these young Japanese Americans who, while their families were held in internment camps, fought for our country in World War II. I don't know if you know much about that chapter in our history, but when our country in uh, World War II was at war with Japan, we rounded up most of the people of Japanese descent and kind of like made them live in a little camp because we decided we didn't trust them. Yet some of the same children who were being held, their parents were being held, they went off and fought, and many of them gave their lives for a country that was treating them like they didn't trust them. I just thought a lot about how do we live in the world that we're in. Um, and God led me to this verse. It's going to be kind of a theme for us this year. We're going to go all over the Bible this morning, but this is in um, 2 Peter. and uh, It's in 2 Peter in chapter 1. This is a book you may never have spent much time in in your life, but I've spent a ton of time in it this summer. This is verse 3. It says, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Uh, it says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So what Peter's saying is, whatever you need, whatever knowledge you need, whatever experience you need, whatever insight you need, whatever, whatever you need to live the life that you're living right now that God has called you to, God has granted in his kindness and his glory, he's granted to you everything that you need for life and for godliness. We're going to spend a lot of time uh, talking this year about how we try to figure out how to live in the world that we're in under the faith that God has given us what we need to navigate the world that we're living in. God didn't call us to live in a different generation. He didn't call us to live in a different place. He didn't call us to a different church or a different situation or a different circumstance. He called us to right where we are right now, and he has given us every single thing that we need to be able to live right where we are right now. As we uh, think about, and i got a whole bunch of Bible verses that are going to help us with this, but I came up with these and kind of thought these three ways of thinking about how I live in the world that are going to help us. Uh, some of us, our instinct is that we think about fitting into the world. The idea that, like, to infiltrate the dark world by engaging it from the inside. This is those of us who think about, I want to serve others, I want to have gentle kindness, I want to establish common ground, I'm less concerned about making a point than a difference. My instinct isn't to get angry at what's broken in the world. My instinct is to find a way to exist inside of it. The struggle, of course, with this way of thinking is it's very easy to become the thing that we're striving to change. But that's some of our instincts. Some of our instinct is, I don't want to raise a ruckus. I don't want to fuss. I don't want to get all angry at whoever. I just want to try to figure out as best as I can how to fit. Some of us, our instinctual thought is more towards uh, fighting. We don't really emphasize that much. Uh, this is not really a fighting church, because I've found that when you build a church full of people that want to fight the world, they end up eventually fighting the pastor. So I thought, just kind of, maybe we'll just keep it chill like that. <laughs> but people who desire to fight, and before we get to fight, my second one uh, is flight. Some of us are thinking that way, which is, I'm going to keep unstained from the world by removing myself from it. 
I find the darkness, the sin, the foolishness of the world so much, I just try to stay as far away from it as possible. This is where, I don't know if you ever get around people that are like, I, you know, I, I go to a Christian gym and I, uh, I'm in a Christian book club and, I, and I, uh, I send my kids to a Christian school and uh, I'm part of a, I go to a Christian grocery store. Uh, maybe that one's made up, I don't know. You know, where I just make sure that no rainbow colors on any of the products. You know, we just like, some of us, our instinct is the world bothers me so much, I'm going to get as far away from it as possible. This has a high emphasis on holy living, and it really emphasizes the people that think like this, the nuclear family, which are both great things. There's a lot of attention paid to the fact that we're not just wrestling with flesh and blood, but also in a spiritual battle. But Jesus did not send us into this world to just kind of huddle and keep to ourselves. And if I hide from the world, I can't do much to engage it or help it. And then there's the fighters who are aiming to change the world by winning the battle of dark versus evil. These are those who get involved in politics, engage with culture. They refuse to accept that Satan is going to win some temporary victories in this world. The struggle with this mindset is it's very difficult to fight the world without coming across as unloving and harsh. Who's ever seen that one before? It's also at odds because the biblical story is not that we work really hard to win the victory. The biblical story is that we cannot overcome sin and death, but Jesus Christ overcame it on our behalf. All of these are elements and ways of thinking that we need. The middle, the perfect middle that we're aiming for is to be faithful, which is very, very, very difficult. If we want to live for Jesus and have what he has given to us in this world, it's going to take a little bit of fighting and a little bit of fitting and a little bit of flighting. Are you impressed that they all like kind of rhyme and have the, I, I was, I felt pretty good the day I figured that out. That was a good day. I felt good about that. We need this. This reason why I wanted to start here this year is uh, I encounter things all the time where I'm like, so what does loving Jesus well look like right here at this moment? Like, what am I to say? What am I to do? Because I'm like, if you could just, like, Lord, if you could just, like, give me, like, the little cheat sheet, laminated, like, kind of both sides of how to act, I'm good. I want to do it. I want to honor you well. I just often find, does anybody find this? That I often find I'm just like, but, like, right here in this encounter, this interaction, what is the way to honor God the best? So I want to take you around the Bible and try to show us a little bit about each one of these. Uh, this is Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can turn if you want. I also have it for the screen. He says this. So though I, uh, he says, though I'm free of all, I've made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. So to the Jews, I became like a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like someone under the law, though myself, I'm not under the law, so that I could win those that are under the law. To, to those outside the law, I became like someone outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul is describing here what it looks like to fit, right? So what Paul's saying is, so my job, I was like, they want me to wear a suit, I wear a suit. If they want me to wear a cowboy hat, I wear a cowboy hat. If I need to talk in a certain accent or 
operate in a certain way in a certain situation to try my best to like fit into the circumstance, I'm going to do it. Uh, my friend John, <laughs> I don't know, I'm a little nervous to say this out loud. My friend John uh, preached here a couple weeks ago. He was that big excited guy. And uh, he like knows that one of the things that we emphasize here is to try to be a multi-ethnic church. And so he texted me and he was like, do you think like if I wear Jordans that'll like help me fit in like a little bit better? And I was like, I actually just didn't answer. I was like, ah, maybe I'll just let him figure that one out. But that instinct of, I just want to wear the thing I'm supposed to wear. Do you ever have that experience now in the world where you're like, all right, just tell me what I'm supposed to wear so I don't look like an idiot when I get there. Just tell me like, what are the, the rules of the circumstance that we're in? Because I just want to operate well so that I can do a good job. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, the message of Jesus is so important that I'm willing to adapt everything that I can possibly adapt so that the message can find its way through me. To fit is to proactively put myself in relationships and situations with people who need Jesus. To fit is to be like, I'm not going to be away from it or better I'm going to opt into the world that God has put me in because there's people everywhere that I go who really need Jesus. So, back to the notes. Paul is describing that you can be flexible about the kind of music that you listen to, the way that you dress, the way that you treat people who are still casual in their sin, the way that you treat people who have modern views of marriage and sexuality, the way that you treat people who have different kinds of politics. You can be super chill and calm, not thinking that you're dishonoring God by trying to be accessible to the people around you. So like, okay, this means that uh, if you're a parent and you have a few teenagers in your car, you don't need to like blare your worship music that you know is gonna weird them out to prove some point. It's okay to throw something on that they listen to. It's okay when you go to places and the people don't think like you, talk like you. Uh, I got roped into pitching with coaching football again, and there's a lot of words that are in the vocabulary of the football coach world that are not necessarily the words that I pray are in my general vocabulary day to day. But to fit is to say, I don't have to put what God has convicted me about on top of this person, because what's more important than me making my point is that, holy smokes, God in his infinite kindness has put me a few hours a week around a few people that really need to know him who don't know him yet. And so to fit is to say, I can just be like a calm, kind, nice person who doesn't throw the F-bomb every 30 seconds. And maybe God could use me that way. That's what it means to fit. So then we move and we're going to flight. First John 2.15, this is John talking. And normally I like to go through like one section of the Bible, but I think bringing a bunch of scripture today I was hoping was going to help us as we're launching off this school year. First John 2.15, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, so I just want to teach you a little something. This will help you as you're reading your Bible. 
Uh, John uses a Greek word that is translated world, and he uses it a lot, and it has three different meanings. It can mean the people, it can mean the planet, and it can mean the system. Okay, so put the verse back up again. So is he saying, do not love the globe or the things of the globe? Is he saying, do not love the system? Is he saying, do not love the people? I'd say system, I think, is what he's saying. He's saying, don't love the system of the world. Don't love the way the things work in the world. If you love the system, that means that you, you can't love the Father. I find this verse very convicting because uh, there's lots of things about the world that I love. Like, I love football and the fact that we live in a good country and I, I love the fact that we have great food everywhere that we drive and I love the fact that like, I don't really have a gun but I feel pretty safe and I love lots of things about the system. But the call here is to say all of that pales in comparison to God. That if my affections are divided between kind of like I got the world and I have God. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who had a, if you're ever in a relationship with someone who has a hobby or a habit or a job that is as important to them as you are, there's this inevitable tug of war all the time. If you've ever experienced that, you might be able to understand. He's saying, so why do we flight? It's because the world is not our home. This is what Paul's getting at in Romans 12. You may know this verse where he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying the world, the system, is trying to trick you all the time into thinking that sin is going to make you happy and sin is going to bring joy and sin is going to delight you. I mean, every TV show that you can find, every entertainment product out there that you can find is trying to tell you that the more partners you have sexually and the more experiences you have that you've never had before, the happier you're going to be. And then I go to the gym and I see all these lonely, divorced guys in their late 50s wandering around the gym who tried that and realized they're miserable. And they tell me every time I sit in the hot tub with them. <laughs> so I can't wait. Oh, you're a pastor? Let me pour it all out on you. You're like, I just... Trying to get, you can't really wear your earphones, you know, when you're in the, anyway. Okay, so. The world isn't going to bring you joy. The world isn't going to make you happy. Maybe just a little bit of something that feels like joy for a while. Who could testify today that there's no joy to be found out there in the world? Who could testify to that truth? He's saying, don't be conformed to the system. No, no, be transformed by something better. This is why Paul, he says, don't be unequally yoked in 2 Corinthians 6. There's no partnership between righteousness and lawlessness. So the beautiful part that flight brings to our minds is that because the world corrupts, I must avoid it. That thing that I was describing in me uh, earlier that was like, I don't feel comfortable in this world, I think scripture teaches us that that's a good thing to feel. That's actually evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in me, that I'm like, I just, I don't fit here. That 
We hate that feeling, but it's actually a good feeling. The idea that I'm trying to avoid the corruption of the world, something good. Uh, flight can go good directions, flight can go bad directions. I have two examples. Uh, years ago, I was leading a small group, and uh, a new guy joined, and it was a guy's group. So if you've, like, the first, like, two months, three months that a guy's sitting in a group, you can't really get him to say much of anything uh, meaningful. It takes a long time, you know, to draw out. And eventually out comes that this guy tells us somehow we get to, what do you do for work? And we get to this guy in my group, church group. He says, I'm a bartender at a strip club. Okay. Try like not, you know, not like freaking. He says, I do it as a ministry. Hmm. Hmm. What's, what? What is the ministry exactly that we're... So what's the person doing? The person is deceiving themselves into thinking that they can go into a place of evil. No, there's no, there's no light that can mix with darkness. That's deception. That's not flight. That's foolishness. Uh, on the flip side, Austin, who's our music director here, he's on tour with Hamilton for like two more months, and then he's back for good. He was uh, raised as like the capital H homeschooler of all time. He's been homeschooled his entire life. So that's like flight to a pretty aggressive direction. Yet, the way that his mother raised him and the personality and the experiences that God has gave him, he has no problem living on tour with all kinds, dozens of people on this touring company with the play Hamilton who don't know Jesus at all, and he doesn't get sucked in or stick away. He's just a bright light right in the middle of it in a way that brings so much honor and glory to God. I'm so proud of him. Flight, the key, I guess, is understanding that when I focus on the world, the system, it tends to promote self-righteousness inside of me. So we can all sit here, right, and talk about all the sinners out there. Ah, oh, they're so bad, aren't they? By the time I come to church on Sunday morning, you, I can usually see a few people still like straggling home from the bars in their car, and it's so easy to be like, ah, oh, I'm so much better than they are. I'm so much better than they are. Can you believe those people and all their sinning, sinningness? I'm so much. That part doesn't do anything good for us. That does do nothing good for us. But when I focus on the individual people that God brings into my life, it promotes compassion. Have you ever had that experience of having a real strong feeling about whatever habit or choice or foolish whatever, and then you get around somebody who's really dealing with it? If you've, I've been around in my life uh, young women who had a pregnancy that they weren't planning for, and they were struggling to figure out what to do with it. And it didn't change what I believed about what the Bible said, but it healed me of some of that. I'm so much smarter and better and stronger. It made me have compassion for the challenging position that they were in. That's some about flight. Uh, it says in Galatians 6, verse 1, that if anyone is caught in transgression, those of us who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness. But then he just throws this one line in here. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. The reason why flight is a good instinct is that for some people and some situations, we're not strong enough 
to stand near trying to pull people out without getting pulled in ourselves. So like, if you're a drinker and you struggle with that, you're probably not the one to like go to the bars and sit around with everybody trying to tell people about Jesus. For others, that's no big deal. I could go on and on and on and on, but I think you understand the point. That there is something about that instinct to say, you know what, I want to keep my life right, so I'm going to stay just a little bit further away. There is something in that that is inherently wise. So not to fight. Fight is battles that I must fight, battles that I can win, battles that God calls me to. This is... um. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Ephesians 5 says, Don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. This is the last one I love and fight. Ephesians 6 says, Be strong in the Lord, And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It's easy to poke fun uh, at the people in our world today who are often fighting about the wrong things or at the wrong volume or in the wrong way. But that can help us lose sight of the fact that there are some things worth fighting about. And the devil and the world system, and sin. Those are the, I don't know if you know that, but those are the three kind of legs on the stool of evil, is the devil, and the world system, and my personal instinct to sin. And all three of those things are trying to trap you, and trap your family, and destroy our culture around us all the time. And sometimes there's battles that I must fight. How do I know? Here's two times. Uh, When I'm asked to sin, that's a battle that I must fight. So if you're at your job and they say, we're going to inflate the numbers, said some subtle way, to make sure that we get this or that or whatever, if you're asked to bear false witness, that's a time to say, either I'm not doing it, well, I'm not doing it, so either that means I can keep working here and not do it, or I can't work here, that's a battle worth fighting. That's not a time to fit to kind of just like go with it. When I'm asked to sin, that's a time to fight. It's also a time to fight that sometimes God brings circumstances to a certain way where something gets put in front of me that I didn't see coming that is something that I feel in my spirit I need to do. Like, uh, here's what I mean. Personally, I feel no instinct personally to get involved in the world of politics to kind of fight the culture war, personally. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't call some people to do it, and they're doing it on our behalf. That's part of the different call that God has placed on all of our lives. And so sometimes God brings circumstances in front of me where they're like, I didn't see this fight coming, but this is one that I have to fight. So what I mean. Uh, I brought three people to talk to you about today. Rosa Parks, you may know the story of her. Uh, she's widely known for refusing to give up her seat to a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955, an event that sparked the Montgomery bus boycott. 
She said, I love this, people always say I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. That's not true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of the day. And I wasn't old. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. What I find so inspiring about her is that she didn't totally, totally, totally go looking for a fight. A fight found her at the right time and God used her. Uh, I've been preaching a lot this summer about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends of VeggieTales fame. And they weren't looking for a fight. They just got brought into a room and it was like, all right, you're going to bow down to this statue or we're going to throw you into the campfire. And they were strong and ready to fight when God called them to fight. This is what I mean about circumstances that cause us to fight. This is a woman, her name is Candy Leitner. She's the woman who started Mothers Against Drunk Driving 40 years ago. Uh, she had a child who was tragically killed in a drunk driving accident, and she found out that the person who killed her child while driving drunk was not going to serve any meaningful time in prison, and she dedicated the rest of her life to changing the laws in our country to make the penalties stiffer to discourage this behavior, which those of us who are younger and grew up in that don't understand that it, it's gone dramatically up the consequences and the sense and the stigma socially around. She didn't go looking for a fight, you see. A fight found her is what I'm aiming for. We can only fight God's way when we remember that it's a spiritual battle. It's the reason why often if we're struggling with a spouse or a workplace or our children and we feel like we're caught, the reason why we often struggle to fight without falling into sin is it becomes very easy to use human tactics to fight spiritual battles. If we want God's blessing, we have to fight God's way. This is what Paul means in Ephesians 6 when he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Here, come here. Pernell, I want you to help me, buddy. You look great. This was too nice of a clothing choice to not be put up in front of the whole congregation anyway. So, when you're fighting uh, the battles of your life, it is very easy. I want you just to read that verse. Put that verse back up on the screen for a second. I want you to read that verse, church. Oh, I didn't mean out loud, but that's cool too. Sorry. I was unclear. It's good. Sorry. First day of school. We're practicing. It's good. Just for a second. What he's trying to tell us is there's more happening than we can see. There's more happening than we can scientifically quantify. There's more happening. Have you noticed like this summer that everyone got obsessed about aliens again? It's like, I would say that almost certainly these manifestations of things that people are seeing that they can't explain are glimpses into the unseen realm that's around us all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not some like cool guy from like a Will Smith movie with like these like eyes that are up here. That's not what it is in all likelihood. It's that there is a whole world. There's angels in this room right now that we can't see. Mm -hmm. And there may be demons working for the evil realm in this room right now that we can't see. And scripture promises that when more than a couple of us are gathered and we're honoring God, God is here with us right now. And we can just see like the orange pews and the old wood paneling and all that, but that's all here just as real as you and me are. And so uh, you and I spent some good time this year together talking about uh, 
your wife and your two girls who are in that stage of life between childhood and adulthood where they're figuring out a lot of stuff and there's a lot of prayers, a lot of prayer. Okay, well, you said that a little too aggressively. Let's hope they never see the tape, yep. But what this verse and what we're talking about right now is you can fight for your family through prayer, through standing up for your family, through putting yourself in positions where you can help them, but you have to remember that when you look, there's more than just that boyfriend you want to get rid of, that teacher, that how are we going to pay this school bill, that frustration. We get bogged down on the stuff that we can see right around us. But if we want to fight God's way, we have to say, I'm not just wrestling against what he, he says flesh and blood there. What's he saying? The stuff I can see, the stuff I can grab, the stuff I can taste. No, but there's rulers, there's authorities, there's cosmic powers over this present darkness. There are spiritual forces of evil. And so if I want to fight, I have to say, I'm not just going to see the stuff that's easy to see. I'm going to be careful to see the stuff that I can't see. Thank you. Okay, we're almost done now. Yeah, I thought that was good too. Thanks for saying amen. So uh, we've talked about fit and flight and fight. And we've talked about this perfect middle that we're aiming for all the time that is faithful. I'm almost done. I got a couple more things I want to talk to you about. In Romans chapter 14, uh, Paul says this. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. A key part to aiming for faithful is to get really focused on what God has called me to do and really try to turn my eyes away from developing really strong opinions about what everybody else is doing. Like, some people come to church on Sunday and they let their kids eat three donuts. And some people that come, especially the second service, like have their kids eating carrots like on the way in so they don't even go near the donuts. Scripture's saying today, who are you to pass judgment on the servant for another? It's before your own master that you stand and fall. All of our master is Jesus Christ, and we will be upheld for the Lord is the one who is able to make us stand. The reason why I raise this is um, it's so important that we get really focused on how does God want me to raise my children? How does God want me to deal with my employees? How does God want me to talk to my boss? How does God want me to deal with that person who's like driving me crazy and I can't, they, won't, they won't live up to the contract that they signed and what am I supposed to do about it and I feel so frustrated and I'm so angry. We have enough difficult things to figure out in the life that God has already given to us. Anybody in the room today wake up this morning on their way to church and think, you know what, I don't have that many things to figure out. I'd like to get involved in somebody else's problems because I have an excess of capacity and time and energy. Just encourage somebody in church today who woke up this morning thinking, I got a full plate of stuff to deal with like myself. Who's got a full stuff to deal with? Pretty much everybody, yeah. And so, back to where we started. Second Peter 1, 3. His divine power, speaking of Jesus, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we get to these little things. We're like, should I 
take this medication or not? Should I, how much should I help pay for my child now that they're getting to the age where it feels like I shouldn't be paying for them anymore? How should I deal with the fact that they're clearly going down a difficult path? My, my spouse, it feels like they're losing their relationship with God. What should I do with it? I, I, I feel frustrated and I want to build more relationships, but I don't exactly know how. I, I feel like I've been grieving for a long time and I don't know if it's too long, but I'm not totally sure how to figure it out. These questions that are like, we're trying to figure out all the time. Here's the awesome news. God has given you what you need to figure it out. He's given it through his word. He's given it through his spirit. He's given it through the people that he places in your life around you. And what we want to aim for is to honor God the very best we can with the choices that we make. And we want to get off what our world produces so often for us now is this like endless treadmill of more options. What about this? 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 And we can get so kind of whipped around with trying to figure out how to solve the problems of our lives and try to sort things out. And so that picture that we've drawn today is to draw our attention back to the fact that we can't, we want to do our best to honor God with our lives, one, and two, we can't get it perfect, but we worship Jesus Christ who has given us everything we need and who is able to fill in the gap between the bad choices that we make and the screwed up situations that we get into. That's why we're going to end with communion today. I hope you got one on the way in. If you didn't, just... Wave your arm, and I'm happy to help you. The guys are coming. We're going to sing in just a second. Here, Brinell, do you mind just walking down there? If you didn't get one, just wave your arm, no problem. No problem. If this was a production, it would have to be perfect, but it's a family, so it's okay that we messed it up. Also, I think my family were ushering, so that's probably part of why I'm feeling <laughs> a little extra gracious this morning. Grab one, yeah, no problem, no problem. I find these ones really hard to open. Does anyone else? Anyone else have that? Yeah. I feel bad, you know, and we're trying to like be good with the budget, but it always feels like Jesus dying deserves a little bit better than this cracker to me. Too honest? Okay. Just one more second. Everybody got one? So uh, I want you just to try to get it kind of open and get these elements in your hand. You can start to play something, Jake. <laughs> it's the week that just passed, the summer that's soon to be passed. I know there's a lot of failures and foolishnesses and sins in my life since the last time we were together. I bet you feel the same. There's great news in what we talked about today. It's that in every place where I've failed, sometimes it's because I tried my best and I failed, and sometimes it's like I knew I should go right and I went left. The blood of Jesus, the grace of God, the kindness of our Savior is fresh and new and more than enough for you today. Let's take the bread and remembrance of Jesus' body broken for us. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the blood of Jesus, which washes away our sins, forgives us from all unrighteousness.
Why don't you stand to your feet? Lord, I, uh, I'm thankful. Lord, you've chosen for us a challenging time and a world to live in, and we're doing our best to honor you with it, but it's challenging and confusing sometimes. And Lord, I look around the room today, and I know some of what some of us are facing, Lord, but I know that you know everything that everyone is facing. And for every person who has a choice to make with a doctor or a choice to make with a, a job or a family situation, Lord, I just want to pray that you would pour such wisdom and insight into their desire to serve you. I uh, think of what the psalmist said, Lord, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And so what we're trying to do in church today, Lord, is we're just trying to open our hearts to you again and trying to confess, I don't know, I'm not sure. I can't quite, I don't have it perfect. It's not obvious. The next three steps are not like perfectly written in permanent marker on my sheet, Lord. I'm just saying my hands are open to you and my, my heart is towards you. And I want to honor you, Jesus, with the life that you've given me as best as I know how. And I'm trying to say, Lord, I need your help. I'm, I just, I need your help. I just need your help. Please, Lord. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.